Welcome back to Shane B-Sides. Today I'm going to be reviving uh, my album rankings uh, for a specific band or artist. I used to do these at least once a month uh, last year. Of course, I did uh, Pixies, Ween, uh, David Bowie, Tom Petty, Primus, uh, Blink-182, uh, I think the last one I did was Black Sabbath, and then I took a break just because of all the things that I do for this show, ranking the albums of a specific band or artist, doing a deep dive just felt like the most exhausting thing to write and to plan out, and since I want to say it was like October when I did my last one, or maybe September, I've missed doing it, but... I thought maybe, you know, if I changed how I prepare for it, obviously I still have to listen through all of the, all of the albums, excuse me, um, but I thought maybe if I changed how I approach planning for these episodes, which was basically just like, uh, going song by song, uh, more or less on every single album, or at least attempting to, I think I realized that was the most exhausting part of it, so I'm going to be doing away with that, and because I'm doing away with that, I wanted to tackle an artist or a band that had just a gigantic discography, and I thought about it for a little while. Um, I was initially planning on doing Prince, which I will still do because I'm a massive Prince fan. I somehow got sucked into doing Frank Zappa's discography, which this is going to be kind of controversial, probably how I um, laid out this episode. Maybe it won't be controversial. Um, so I'm only going by all of the albums that he released in his lifetime. Um, and, you know, with Zappa, it gets a little complicated because with other bands or artists, I wouldn't typically include live albums or like sort of these compilation albums. But really with Frank, there's so much, it gets really complicated uh, to say the least. There are a lot of songs that repeat and end up on other albums uh, a lot of, like, the core albums, so to speak, of his are, you know, the songs are pulled from different live recordings, and it gets to the point of just, I feel like you can really go all or nothing with Frank. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going by, uh, I've got 58 albums that I have listened to and ranked. This took probably three months to pull together, uh, coming up on three months to uh, give all of these thorough listens and um, to be able to write. Um, like I said, I'm not going song by song anymore, especially not for uh, something this big, but to at least write some general thoughts on each album. Um, it, it has taken me a while to go through all of this. Um, and, you know, a good chunk of these albums are an hour long, uh, some are up to two and a half hours long, so yeah, uh, this was a uh, giant piece of work, uh, one that I did find very rewarding in the end, but there were some points where I was getting a little bit irritated and discouraged, but I wanted to push through, I've always wanted to do a discography this huge, 
And uh, yeah, of course, I'm not counting the posthumous albums after uh, he passed away in 1993. I am only going up to The Yellow Shark, uh, which was his final album, of course, released while he was alive. Some people might be kind of upset that I'm not including uh, the Civilization album that he was apparently, I guess, almost finished with uh, right before he died. And some people kind of consider that his last album. It's it's really tricky, and um, I just, I wanted to keep it simple. If I, you know, went into the posthumous albums, I would be ranking at least 100 albums, I think, and I just do not have the time and energy for that. Um, but I, I still wanted to, you know, he's an, he's an artist that I knew a handful of albums from, and like I said, wanted to tackle a huge discography. Um, I figured it would be easier just to count the albums that he released while he was alive, so I'll say that one more time. Um, but yeah, uh, 58 albums without further ado. Um, I don't even know how to describe exactly who Frank Zappa is. He is a very prolific musician, um, one of the best guitar players of all time, in my opinion. Not all of his work is uh, guitar-centric. He did everything from, uh, you know, obviously rock and roll, to jazz, uh, to some bluesy stuff, to uh, really out there experimental avant-garde stuff, to classical, to... Uh, he's he's really hard to describe. Um, he was a very uh, public figure in the 1980s, uh, speaking out against the uh, PMRC movement. And uh, yeah, if you know, if you don't know his music, you probably at least know him from just being a public figure and all of that. He is very controversial. There are some songs and albums that I, I just do not like that are extremely uh, irritating. He was very uh, provocative at times. Um, he loved to piss people off. There are some times where I don't even think he was trying to make music that, you know, is enjoyable to listen to. Uh, and there are times where I think he was pushing the envelope, where I think it really paid off, and he, you know, he's making some really entertaining, uh, hilarious music, and we'll get into that, but um, we're going to go ahead and start the countdown, because, uh, like I said, this is going to be huge. I'm not sure if I'm going to be uh, splitting it up into two parts. I guess we'll just, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, without any, uh, you know, without further ado, we're going to get into this list. Number 58 at the very bottom, uh, we've got Thing Fish from 1984. Uh, um, I, I know this album has some dedicated fans out there, and I, I respect y'all if you're listening, but uh, for the most part, it, it, it seems like people generally think of this one as his absolute worst, or at least like towards the bottom. And, you know, I've got to give it to him. Uh, the ambition is there, and I don't think he really had bad intentions. Um, essentially, it's a gigantic, satirical, musical thing about the AIDS epidemic, uh, sort of like a mad TV-style commentary on all of that. Um, of course, it's hard to know exactly what he was thinking here, but uh, it feels like, above all, he was trying to make fun of the negative way people looked at black and or gay people. Um, yeah, 
And that aside, uh, this album just really hurts my ears. Uh, the music is okay, I guess. Um, so much to the point where it becomes just bland, because obviously he's, you know, he's trying to let the uh, speaking from Ike Willis and all of that become the central point. Obviously, it's a musical. It does have music in it, but obviously the story is the main uh, uh, focus point, is what I'm trying to say. And yeah, I mean, there are some reworkings of famous Zappa songs here that you know, if they didn't have the talking over them, they would be okay, I guess. But just with the story of this album being thrown on top of them, it just becomes uh, absolutely butchered, in my opinion. And of course, obviously, the play aspect of the album just... It's the whole album, so... Uh, you know, not to knock all of the wonderful contributions that Ike has brought to Zappa's music. We'll get into... Uh, all of those much later, um, but this this thing just sucks, in my opinion, and uh, by the way, it, it is an hour and 30 minutes long, um, even some of the insanely long Zappa albums that we'll talk about, uh, some, like I said, being over two or, you know, pushing two and a half hours, they don't feel as long as this one does, uh, so, yeah, this one is just, I, I do not get any enjoyment out of this album. It is a 0 0.5 out of 5 for me. Um, if you like it, that's fine. I just cannot get into it. Uh, but <laughs> moving on from there, at 57, we've got Playground Psychotics from 1992. Um, this one is really just for the total completist and even they don't seem to care about it. I'm not even sure Frank seemed to care about it too much. I'm not sure what to categorize this album as. I've never really heard anyone speak about it. It's sort of a live album, sort of an interview tape, sort of a recording clip show of random funny moments between the band. Um, it's basically a documentation of a day in the life on the road with the Mothers of Invention between the late 1960s and early 1970s. But there's, you know, even with a little bit of live material here, um, there's there's just absolutely nothing that you need from this. Um, the raw live clips of um, them performing with John Lennon and Yoko Ono are interesting, but even those are just a tiny fraction of this whole album and just not enough to warrant um, another listen through this whole thing. Uh, it's over two hours long and I don't even feel comfortable scoring this because it's there's barely any music on it. And what is there is just so irritating or boring to me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's near the bottom because I... I basically derived no enjoyment um, from it whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a 0.5 out of 5 for me. Uh, then we have 56, uh, Studio Tan from 1978. Um, this one really feels like just, you know, Frank having fun in the studio, especially given that most of the album is eaten up by The Adventures of Gregory Peckery, which is a 20-minute track that's essentially just an audio version of a demented uh, Saturday morning cartoon. And if you're not into that, 
which I'm not personally. Some people love it. Um, it. It greatly ruins your perception of the album. And there are literally only three other tracks. Uh, Let Me Take You to the Beach, which is kind of stupid fun, I guess. I don't really love it. I don't... Eh. Uh, and then uh, Revised Music and uh, R&DZL, which are pretty long tracks too, and I may get hate for the last one, but I just, I don't care about these tracks at all. This is maybe another 0.5 out of 5, maybe maybe one star, I guess, if I'm in the right mood for Let Me Take You to the Beach, but it's just, I, I do not care about this album at all. Some people really like it, and that's fine. I, I respect you, but uh, yeah, it's number 56 for me, Studio Tan from... 1978 and I may get hate for this next one uh number 55 it's the man from utopia from 1983 this album feels simultaneously bland and annoying uh cocaine decisions is all right but I believe there's a better live version or two out there uh dangerous kitchen is it's all right it's grown on me so, uh, a little bit it's just pretty silly fun um but uh <laughs> Jazz Discharge Party Hats is one of my least favorite Frank tunes. I was rolling my eyes so hard listening through this both times. Um, I usually find his kind of goofy songs about sex um, pretty funny, but this one just makes my ears hurt. And, uh, you know, other than those songs, I really just don't have much to say. I just don't get anything out of this. Um, at best, it's just pretty meh. Um, but we are getting into the better stuff here a little tiny bit. This one's like a 1 to a 1.5 out of 5. Um, I think we're stepping up a, just a tiny bit, but not quite. Um, number 54, we have uh, Francesco Zappa from 1984. This one is... I don't have much to say about it, really. Uh, the whole story is... Basically, just Frank found this old Italian composer from the late uh, 1700s who was literally named uh, Francesco Zappa. And for this little album, he's just interpreting his pieces with a synclavier. Uh, and that's it. Uh, nothing on here is bad by any means. It's just not super interesting and... It's kind of over before you can even really think about what you're hearing, so eh, 1.5 to maybe 2 out of 5 range on this one. Uh, not a huge fan of it. Uh, number 53, uh, this is going to anger people, and I think, you know, maybe I should have watched the movie, but I'm already listening through all of these albums, people, so give me a break. Um, I've got the 200 Motel soundtrack uh, from 1971. I almost didn't even want to count this, and maybe I shouldn't have, because it's it's a soundtrack to a movie I've never seen, and it seems like it would be a fun movie to watch, so I would like to get around to it at some point, and I, I tried to during all of this, but this was already a huge undertaking as is, um, but yeah, um, I don't know, figuring out what to count for this countdown was... A pain in the ass because it seems like the only true mentality, like I said, uh, to take was basically just all or nothing. Because I feel like if you don't do all of them, then someone's going to be like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? 
So, and I, I wanted to be as complete as possible, but also not go into his posthumous stuff. So, yeah, I did listen to this and I just, I don't hate it, but I just, I don't have much to say about it, really. It's goofy fun and it's just extremely long, I guess. It it feels like the bridge between Zappa's early 60s humor and the more uh, kind of vulgar humor that he would get into into the 70s and... I guess the best thing I can say about it is that I'm always happy to hear um, Strictly Genteel in any form. Uh, it's really lovely here, and for some reason I kind of enjoy the Tuna Fish tracks, but other than that, I just don't get much out of it. I'm sure I would if I watched the movie. So, yeah, this is another, like, 1.5 to 2 range for me. Uh, yeah, 53, 200 Motels soundtrack. Uh, then we have 52, The Perfect Stranger, uh, from 1984. Um, this is just a, it's a classical record. Uh, some Zappa pieces partly, if not all conducted by Pierre Boulet. Uh, apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. I'm not good at pronouncing things, as you've probably learned. Um, it's, it's pretty, um... But there's just not much I would revisit here. The most interesting about it, uh, m most interesting thing about it is uh, uh, Outside Now Again, which is, of course, a new version of Frank's solo from Outside Now, which is found on uh, Joe's Garage, which, of course, will come much later in the ranking. Um, yeah, this is like a 2 to a 2.5 out of 5 for me. We are moving up very slowly. Um, pretty soon we'll get to a point where, where we're just staying in the same rating for a long time, so, I don't know. We're moving up, though. Uh, then we have 51, uh, London Symphony Orchestra, Volume 1, from 1983. Uh, the London Symphony Orchestra, just interpreting a few Zappa pieces here. Um, I feel very down the middle on this one. I don't think it's bad. It's all very well played classical music, but it's just nothing that I would care to revisit, really. Um, Moe and Herb's Vacation is about 27 or so minutes long, and it's kind of entertaining in some parts. It feels like the score to a really goofy film that just never came to be. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like a 2.5 out of 5, maybe a 2. I don't know. It's it's hard to say with some of these bottom ones how I really feel about it. But, uh, yeah, that's number 51. Uh, number 50. Oh, God, people are gonna, are gonna hate me for this one. And I, I tried. I really did, but I just, I can't get that into it. I've got, I'm sorry, I've got Uncle Meat from 1969. Uh, it's probably the first instance of, Frank going way out there, aside from, of course, Lumpy Gravy and the last two songs on uh, Freak Out. And it's... I don't know. It's all over the place. There are experimental moments, jazzy moments, classical moments, a few doo-wop and rock and roll moments. It's a big soup of all kinds of weird shit. And after spending a lot of time with it, it's... You know, maybe, maybe I'm weak-brained. Maybe uh, all of the intellectual types can uh, tell me why I'm wrong. And I, I, I respect people who love this album, but I just... I don't want to sit down and listen to this thing from start to finish. I'm sorry. It's, it's just a little too difficult for me to sit through. And 
I know that's basically the point of a lot of his music. Uh, like I said, he was very provocative. Um, but aside from Electric Aunt Jemima, Dog Breath, Mr. Green Jeans, and King Kong is pretty cool. And that, that is a big section of it. I'm just, I'm not very drawn to it. Um, I appreciate what he was trying to do here, just pushing the envelope. But like I said, I just don't feel inclined to ever put it on or go back to it. So yeah, uh, this one, I'm not even sure how to rate it. It's somewhere in between a 2 and a 2.5 out of 5 for me. I have to go with these ranges for a lot of these albums because it's, like I said, it's so difficult to decipher how exactly I feel. But uh, yeah, I, I apologize to the uh, to the real heads out here who uh, love Uncle Meat, but I just, I don't really like it that much. It's It's not for me. You know, I've got a taste for some really weird music, but this is just not... I, I don't get anything out of it, really. Uh, so, yeah. Number 50, Uncle Meat from 1969. Number 49, we've got Ahead of Their Time from 1993, uh, recorded in 1968. Uh, this is a vault release. And I don't have much to say about this one. It's pretty down the middle for me because... The first half involves a lot of sketch comedy that even Frank, I think, acknowledged uh, would be a bit lost on the listener without the visual aspect of seeing them live. Something that uh, kind of applies to Playground Psychotics as well. Um, and the second half, um, which uh, features some pretty good live performances uh, from the Mothers of invention with the BBC orchestra backing them up. Um, there are some lovely versions of songs like uh, Orange County Lumber Truck, um, Sleeping in a Jar, and Let's Make the Water Turn Black. But outside of that, there's just not much for me to say, really. Um, like I said, even Frank, I said, said um, that... You know, he felt like these weren't the best performances from the mothers necessarily. I think he was just, like I said, trying to clear the vault, which, you know, you could look at that. Um, you could kind of look at some of these bottom releases that I've got ranked uh, in a pretty similar way. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the rest of the actual songs here are either okay or just they don't do much for me. So... This is another one I've kind of got uh, to maybe 2.5 out of 5. It's hard to say, but uh, yeah, 49 ahead of their time. Uh, moving on, 48, we've got You Can't Do That on Stage Anymore, Volume 6 from 1992. The first appearance of You Can't Do That on Stage Anymore, um, a series where he released six volumes of mostly his favorite live material from the 70s up to the late 80s, I believe. And there's there's some 60s stuff thrown in as well, I think, very late 60s. Um, it's very impressive that he recorded the entirety of uh, nearly every show he played, which is obviously where he would call so much of his, uh, his material from. Um, but the main reason that any of these... Uh, you can't do that um, volumes. The main reason that they suffer a bit for me is just the length 
Um, all six of these collections are around two and a half hours of material. Um, going chronologically, this was the point where I was starting to get pretty intense burnout. Um, I've heard even diehard Zappa fans sometimes don't even listen to or go out of their way to buy all of these, uh, usually just one or two or three of them. Um, that being said, uh, this does have some wonderful and uh, sometimes really funny moments like the uh, <laughs> the monologue making fun of Peter Frampton's song, I'm In You, uh, where he goes, I'm in you. Um, I, I also enjoy the versions, of course, of, you know, making fun of that song where he sings, I have been in you, um, as well as, uh, Camarillo Brillo, He's So Gay, Catholic Girls. Um, those are pretty fun versions. It's just, like I said, I mean, when are you going to sit through this whole thing unless you're just a diehard fan? Um, I debated including these, um... Because, I mean, they are kind of just compilations, but like I said, with Frank, it's, I don't know, you can basically only go all or nothing in my opinion, so I don't know. This is my least favorite of the whole series, but it's still got some great moments that I would, you know, maybe pluck out and put onto a playlist or a sampler, which there literally is a sampler of, uh, you can't do that on stage anymore, so, uh, yeah. This one's like a 2.5 out of 5 for me, it's... It's hard to say. Uh, then we got 47, uh, volume 5 of that same series. You can't do that on stage anymore. Uh, the same basically applies to this one. Um, I mean, these two are basically interchangeable. All I can really add to uh, this particular volume is I really like these versions of uh, What's New in Baltimore, uh, Dance and Fool, Advanced Romance, City of Tiny Lights. Uh, this version of Doreen is great. Um, so basically the second half, which is mostly, uh, material from the early 80s, um, I don't care as much for the first half, which is basically just, um, some Mothers of Invention stuff from the late 60s that wasn't released before this. Uh, not that I don't love some of the Mothers stuff, but, you know, um, this one again is like a 2.5 out of 5 for me, uh, number 47. Uh, number 46, we've got Orchestral Favorites from 1979. Not much to say here. It's a pretty pleasant little orchestral record featuring a lot of the same orchestra who played on uh, the iconic Lumpy Gravy a long time before this, like 12 years before this, I think. Um, and I dig it because it's still got that kind of raw feeling to it, but... There's also a certain level of class that they bring to the compositions. Also, it's, you know, it's pretty short, so you can't get too sick of it. This is a 2.5, maybe pushing a 3-star. Um, it's hard to say, like I said, but uh, yeah. Uh, number 45, uh, Shut Up and Play Your Guitar Some More from 1981. This is the second volume of another series uh, called Shut Up and Play Your Guitar, obviously. Um... But this one is cut into three parts. Um, this is the second part of that. Like I said, it's a huge collection of Frank going back and picking his favorite guitar solos from all of his various live recordings. Uh, kind of in the same concept of uh, you can't do that, but this time it's literally just guitar. There are no vocals on 
uh, any of these volumes and this whole collection. Um, and I really can't say much about these aside from the fact that, like I said before, he's obviously a master of uh, electric guitar playing. And I don't know, ranking this is complicated because it's like you are listening to a musical genius just absolutely shredding over these three volumes, which is technically amazing, but, you know, I'm ranking these based on how much I want to listen to this whole thing from start to finish, and I don't know, it's it's hard to say. Um, highlights here are definitely uh, variations on the uh, secret Carlos Santana chord progression, what a mouthful of a title, and uh, the Deathless Horsey I think is pretty cool, so uh, another 2.5 to 3 out of 5 for this one. Uh, and then number 44, we have uh, Return of the Sun of Shut Up and Play Your Guitar, also from 1981. Again, same thing applies here. This is the third volume of that same series. Again, these are basically interchangeable. Um, highlights here being the title track, and uh, I do love Canard uh, du... Jower, Jower, I'm I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce that whatsoever. You know what I'm talking about if you know this album. Um, but that song, ironically, is not even uh, a regular guitar song, but it's actually my favorite moment of the entire series. It's uh, Frank playing on an electric Greek bazooki and uh, Jean-Luc Ponty on a baritone violin. Uh, this, like I said, the best song of the whole series. It sounds otherworldly. I haven't heard anything that sounds quite like this. I think it's very cool. Uh, like I said, other than that and uh, the title track, I'm kind of eh, neither here nor there. So this is like a 2.5. I think, you know, Canard could maybe push it to almost a 3 out of 5. But like I said, it's hard to sit and listen to this whole thing from start to finish. Uh, then we have 43, uh, You Can't Do That On Stage Anymore, Volume 4, from 1991. The years don't really matter here. I mean, these are just kind of compilations of older stuff. But uh, going back to uh, the You Can't Do That series here, uh, with these lower ones, I probably sound like a broken record. But of course, it's super long. It's almost two and a half hours, which does affect its placement. Uh, this one is mostly 80-centric with fun versions of... Uh, Willie the Pimp, Carolina Hardcore Ecstasy, Love of My Life, Outside Now, which is gorgeous. Uh, then some random doo-wop covers, which are, you know, not essential, but pretty nice for what they are. Uh, oh, and a version of uh, Torture Never Stops, uh, sung by another, none other than uh, Captain Beefheart. Uh, more on Captain Beefheart later on. Uh yeah, I think it's a step above the rest for those highlights, and I think right here is where I'm going to um, officially transition into three stars. Uh, number 42, London Symphony Orchestra, Volume 2, from 1987. Um, getting closer to the peak here as far as the classical stuff goes. There is a pretty high peak we'll get into later. You probably know what it is if you are well-versed in Frank, but I'm not going to spoil it. Um, I do enjoy this one a good bit more than the first volume with the London Symphony Orchestra. Um, I was kind of thinking I was going to be bored by it since I'm just not a huge classical fan to begin with, but 
I found it was a pretty nice companion to uh, just getting some work done around the house, just kind of having it on in the background. Um, Bogus Pomp, of course, is long as hell, but it's pretty neat. Uh, and Strictly Genteel, again, is just gorgeous. Probably my favorite version here. Um, one of the rare moments where I actually get kind of emotional listening to uh, a Frank composition, which does not happen a whole lot. He uh, was not one for uh, the sentimentality in his music. He was uh, obviously a bit of an edgelord. Uh, very funny. Uh, but yeah, this is one of those rare occasions for me. Um, I think it's a really gorgeous song. Um, this one's like a three out, uh, three out of five. Low three out of five, but still a three nonetheless. Uh, number 41, Shut Up and Play Your Guitar from 1981. The first volume. If I had to recommend any of the three volumes of this uh, Shut Up and Play Your Guitar series, it would be this one. My same thoughts still kind of stand here as far as, you know, how much am I really going to go back to this? But I did, wanna, I did want to put it above the other two volumes because I do feel the material here is consistently the strongest. Uh, my favorite, no doubt, being the title track, which funny enough pulls from Inca Rose, which is going to get into it much, 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 much later, but without a doubt, uh, a top 10 Zappa song for me and uh, lots of other people. Um, Hog Heaven and Heavy Duty Judy are also pretty great. Um, it's all really good. Again, the only issue is, do you feel like sitting down and listening to a 34-minute long guitar solo? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, which is why I can't really put this any higher, but I will say it, it's another low three out of five for me at number 41. Number 40, we've got Guitar from 1988. Uh, by the way, Frank released a whole other album full of his favorite guitar solos, uh, culled from all kinds of different performances. Once again, um, only difference here is this is all considered one album, I'm guessing, because uh, at this point, CDs had taken over and... You could fit much more onto a CD than a vinyl, of course. Uh, again, my same criticism still kind of stands here. It's long as hell at a whopping 2 hours and 10 minutes, but I think what makes this collection stand above all of the other guitar-centric stuff is the fact that this is deeper into his early 80s band, who I really enjoy, uh, Highlights, of course, are uh, Watermelon and Easter Hay, my absolute favorite Zappa song. I'm not sure which version of the song is my favorite, but the one here is, it is fiery, it is celestial, it is just <clears throat> chef's kiss. Um, but I also really enjoy um, sexual harassment in the workplace, uh, that old G minor thing again, that's not really reggae for Dwayne, obviously pulled from their cover uh he, Frank's band's cover of uh, Whipping Post by the Allman Brothers, and uh, Things That Look Like Meat, which I think is also just a funny title. Um, but also, those are only a small, tiny baby fraction of the track list, so yeah, it's it's another, like, it's another issue of how, how, how often are you going to sit and listen to this whole thing from start to finish? So yeah, it's it's like a low three out of five for me. Uh, here at number 40, uh, Guitar from 1988. 
Number 39, we've got Baby Snakes from 1983. Um, this is a collection of seven songs from uh, Zappa's 1977 uh, New York City Halloween concert. Apparently, his Halloween concerts were a big deal, given that they've posthumously released a ton of the Halloween shows in the last few years. Um, very legendary bootleg stuff, apparently. Um, and I don't really have much to say about this one. It's 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 pretty alright. Um, it's got some fun versions of Titties and Beer, uh, Black Page, uh, Disco Boy, Dynamo Hum. I'm not a huge fan of Punky's Whips, and I kind of despise the song Baby Snakes. So, I don't know. It's... It's about a three out of five because you know I, I I do really enjoy titties and beer and uh, of course disco boy like I said so I don't know not much to say about it really so uh, yeah thirty nine baby snakes thirty eight we've got uh, just another band from L A from uh, nineteen seventy two uh, stepping back to the early days again this is a live album with the mothers released shortly before or sometime around when uh, Frank was pushed off stage and had serious injuries for a while. Um, most of the length here is eaten up by uh, Billy the Mountain, a huge rock opera. I think it's like 20, 25 minutes. Um, that's actually in comparison to Gregory Peckery, which I mentioned before, I think is a lot of fun. It's about a literal mountain named Billy who of course, travels to the Big Apple with his uh, wife, Ethel, who's a tree branch growing off of him, and of course, hijinks ensue, and he damages property, and it's it's a really stupid but fun track, to say the least. Um, other highlights are um, Colony Vegetable, which is fantastic, and Dog Breath, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I despise Magdalena. And then I don't care much for uh, Eddie, Are You Kidding? So this is about in the low three-star range for me. Uh, 37, Frank Zappa meets the Mothers of Prevention from 1985. I think we're going by the U.S. version here. I'm not sure which one is which. I'm sorry. Didn't fully do my research. But I'm just going by what's off of Spotify in the U.S.A., uh, this is just a weird-ass album. Um, this was in the heat of the famous nationwide uh, PMRC debates about censorship in music and whether artists should be held responsible for watching what they release. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Frank being who he was, you can guess which side he fell on. But really, this album doesn't contain that much, you know, edgy lyrical content. Ironically enough, it's kind of split between electronics and clavier material, uh, sound collage, uh, jazz, and rock. Um, the biggest stab, I guess, against his opposition here is Porn Wars, which he apparently set out to make as an intentionally extremely annoying track that is not pleasant to listen to, but it's kind of funny. It just features weird experimental electronic shit underneath uh, voice clips um, from the debates that I mentioned. But, you know, as far as the more proper songs on here go, uh, you have I Don't Even Care with Johnny Guitar Watson, which is 
fantastic, very fiery, very fun. Uh, we're turning again. It's, uh, really great. Um, Alien Orifice, um, what, what a title. It's, uh, I guess that's pretty edgy there, um, is, is eerie and cool. Um, what's new in Baltimore is amazing here. Um, of course, in its home album, um, even though I feel like there are, um, slightly better versions out there. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is like a low three out of five for me. It's, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it really, but, uh, it's at number 37. So it's not one of my favorites, obviously. Um, 36, we have Jazz from Hell, uh, from 1986. We're slowly crossing into the threshold of Zappa albums I like a good bit. Not quite there, but we are getting there. So, you know, if you thought I was being hard on the man, just remember how many fucking albums he's got, okay? Um, but yeah, one of my favorite album titles and album covers for sure, uh, Jazz from Hell. I mean, also, he just looks cool on the cover. Um, the album is all instrumental, mostly him making these really insane electronic jazz uh, pieces with the help of his Synclavier. Uh, Night School, G-Spot Tornado, and the title track are all wonderful and weird. Uh, but my favorite is Saint uh, Etienne. Not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, but funny enough, it's the only guitar-centric track, and it's one of my favorite solos that he's ever played. It's really top-shelf material, to be honest. Uh, and fun fact about this album, he also won a Grammy for Best Rock Instrumental uh, performance with this album, something for which he found absolutely hilarious because he was confused as to how it even won. I don't even think he knew it was nominated. So, yeah, it's... This one pushes 3.5 for me. There are parts of it that I really enjoy. I don't love all of it, but, uh, yeah. Uh, 35, we have Make a Jazz Noise Here from 1991. This is a collection of live recordings from, uh, Zappa's huge comeback 1988 world tour. A big chunk of it is instrumental, specifically leaning into jazz, of course, with the title, and as much as I love a lot of the instrumental work throughout his career, I do find it hard to stay engaged with a good portion of the tracks here. And again, it is another two-plus-hour album that's, you know, it's 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 hard to sit through. Um, but for the positives, I will say there is an incredible section where they play a lot of the. Uh, they bring back a lot of the late 60s classic Mother's tunes like uh, Orange County Lumber Truck and Oh No. Um, I really sit up and uh, just kind of dance around whenever that part comes on. I think it's a lot of fun. I also really enjoy these versions of uh, Black Napkins, City of Tiny Lights. Um, Stevie Spanking is hilarious and fiery. And uh, once again, Strictly Genteel is fantastic. So... It's hard to say. It's like a very low 3.5 out of 5 here. Uh, 34, we have Ship Arriving Too Late to Save a Drowning Witch from 1982. I wanted to like this album a little bit more because it's sort of a cult favorite that gets overlooked. And I'm really drawn to albums like that. 
I don't quite love it like I wanted to, but it is a really enjoyable, kind of short Zappa record. Um, surprisingly, the guitar riffs on here are honestly the closest that you'll hear him get to like Black Sabbath. Um, they're way heavier than you would expect from Frank, um, but at the same time, it's a very electronic, very sleek sounding 80s production. Um, no Not Now was a ton of fun, and you know, you can annoy everyone in the car by playing it. Um, Valley Girl, of course, is iconic with his daughter Moon. Uh, it's silly and fun. It's not one of my favorite Frank tracks, but, you know, it was it was a big hit. Um, I Come From Nowhere sounds brutal. Um, I love the song Drowning Witch, probably my favorite. It's simultaneously heavy and funky. Um, I hate the closing song. Um, because of the opera singing. Um, it's one of those songs I'm sure he made irritating on purpose. So yeah, this is another lower 3.5 out of 5. Number 33, Lumpy Gravy from 1967. This album is pretty bonkers. It's basically just two 15-minute long pieces with the uh, orchestra that I mentioned before from uh, Orchestral Favorites and... Ultimately, it feels like a practice run for what he would try to do with Uncle Meat. Uh, just this, you know, shared ground between comedy, rock, classical, and just all-around avant-garde. Um, it's extremely cartoonish, which would probably annoy some people, but I kind of like the cartoonish aspects of his late 60s humor. You know, sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes I think it does, and... Um, you know, I'm not crazy about this album, but it is a solid little piece of, like I said, just a lot of different genres, um, and it's got some some really cool and, like I said, some funny parts. I just, I don't go back to it too often, so it's, again, a pretty low 3.5 out of 5. Number 32, uh, Them or Us from 1984. Uh, deep into the 80s stuff again with this one. Um, when this album is good, it's some of my favorite Zappa music, period. Uh, the Closer You Are is a beautiful nod. I think it's a cover, uh, but it's a nod to his love of doo-wop, something I'll get into later. Uh, you have an update uh, of the version, uh, an update of the song Charlena. It's an incredible soulful reggae version. It might be my favorite version of the song, the Guitar solo is fucking incredible. Um, like I said, Stevie's spanking is a lot of fun. Uh, Be In My Video is one of my absolute favorite songs of his, at least from the 80s. It's a wild, campy, extremely dated 80s tune with some uh, kind of doo-wop elements. The bum 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 bimbo, bum 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 bimbo. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's basically just him poking fun at cheesy music videos. Uh, you have the first appearance of the band's cover of uh, Whipping Post, like I said, from the Allman Brothers, um, and it's wonderful. Uh, I honestly really love this cover, um, and the rest of the material ranges from kind of so-so to pretty good. Um, it's cool that there are contributions from three of Frank's kids on here, most notably uh, Dweezil doing some awesome guitar work. Uh, the only real flaw here is probably just bloat. This album is way too long, but like I said, when it's great, it is really great. So this is like kind of an upper 3.5 out of 5. 
Uh, and then 31, we have the Grand Wazoo from 1972. Uh, some people would probably have this much higher than me. And that's totally valid. Um, some people even counted among their top 10 Frank albums, which that's fine. That's you do you. I really like it. Um, it's a continuation of the instrumental jazz rock sound that he started doing with uh, Hot Rats, a little bit of Burt Weenie Sandwich, and uh, Waka Jawaka a little bit later. Um, but this one, I think, leans more into the big band style, and it is a really well-played record objectively. I think this is the first time I can say that there aren't any real problems I have with it. It's just a matter of taste. Um, I do love, uh, of course, Blessed Relief and the title track. Um, and, you know, Eat That Question, of course, became one of his great, iconic live staples. And I think it's the name of, like, a documentary later on. I'm not 100% sure. But, uh, yeah, it's it's at number 31. But, like I said, we're, we're in, like, a higher 3.5. So starting to get into the stuff that I like more and more and more, so uh, don't fret. Uh, number 30, um, and I think I'm going to close the episode out with this one and make this a uh, two-part episode, or else this is going to be like a two-hour-long episode, and I don't really want to do that, so uh, yeah. Number 30, we've got Sleep Dirt from 1979. I feel more or less the same about this one as I do uh, with Wazoo. The only notable difference here is this came uh, seven years later than Wazoo, and it's more in line with the straight-ahead jazz fusion, jazz rock thing from Hot Rats, and like I said, Waka Jawaka. Um, instead of the big sound here, though, you get um, more of the more of the rock elements, I guess, Like in, and of course the jazz. Um, this was actually kind of considered by uh, Zappa himself as Hot Rats 3, quote-unquote, and it makes total sense. I could hear it being in the same cinematic universe. Um, I think there are some really cool moments here. I don't stay fully engaged through the whole listen, but it's consistently really good. Um, the final track, though, uh, The Ocean is the Ultimate Solution, is fucking fantastic. I think it's worth the price of admission uh, alone for the whole album. It's a whopping 13 minutes and has some of his most outstanding, just otherworldly guitar playing. Um, some of this material was also um, apparently intended for an abandoned musical, which uh, sounds pretty interesting, makes me want to revisit this album again in the future, but, you know, for now, it's at number 30, but I do really like it. It's a, it's a high 3.5 out of 5, and I think that's going to cut it for this episode. Like I said, it's going to be a two-parter. I've officially decided, um, because I don't want this to run for insanely long, because, of course, the higher we get, the more I have to say. Uh, so, yeah capping this off. I will be back next week with part two. We'll be going over number 29 to my number one favorite Zappa album. So stay tuned as always. Uh, stay well. Uh, and uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening and I will see you next time.